Welcome to this episode of the Society for Scholarly Publishing's Early Career Podcast. This is Meredith coming to you from Boston. As always, thank you to SSP for allowing us to be here and for supporting these episodes. For today's episode, we're taking a break from our primer series to bring you something special to kick off 2023. I'm joined by Miranda Walker, who is the Associate Director, Medical Journals for Walters Kluwer Health, and also the current president of SSP. Miranda and I are going to chat about her presidency so far, the role of the SSP board, what she's looking forward to in 2023, and perhaps most importantly, her perspectives on and advice for early career professionals in our industry. And with that, let's get right into our conversation with Miranda. Miranda, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you for the invitation. I'm excited to be here. Great. So I gave you a brief intro a moment ago, but why don't we start with having you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and career path. Sure. So I work in publishing with Walters Kluwer. I'm responsible for society relationships for my portfolio. So I've been assigned the work of the American Society of Clinical Oncology right now. I've worked in different areas of health throughout my career. You know, we joke, but we say that our career, we're relationship managers. It's my job to understand what the strategic priorities are of our partner organization and in turn interpret and supply and be sure that WK is the company, Walters Kluwer is supplying everything that society needs to meet its goals. So I love my job. It's a lot of fun. I get to work with really, really smart people to help them create things that are very important to the world. And of course, oncology is one of them. I've worked with cardiologists. I've worked with anesthesiologists. That kind of stems from my scientific publishing career. Started off in an editorial office in the basement of Johns Hopkins for the journal Ophthalmology, where I was an assistant managing editor. And I wrote revision letters and reject letters. And it was before electronic peer review was really established. One of my jobs was to establish it. That was my intro into this business. So I got to explain the importance of PDFs and learn early on how to integrate all these technologies into the peer review process. So. It was a lot of fun. Things have changed a lot throughout the process and throughout my journey. But from there, I went on to work for a publishing services company. Then I worked for a society where we had a self-publishing program. And in that position, I moved up the ranks and ended there before going on to Walters Kluwer. And I've been with Walters Kluwer now for about seven years. Great. Thanks for that intro. That gives our audience a bit of context about why they're so lucky to be able to hear some insights from you today. Can you also talk to us about how you got started with SSP and sort of what led to where you are now as president? Well, when I was with the society, when I was called INFORMS, the Institute for Operations Research and the Management Sciences, I think they just go by INFORMS now. I was, I guess, pretty much handpicked to be the successor of my boss, who was the then publication director. And they saw my professional development as key to that succession planning process. And as part of that, they said, you're going to SSP. (laughs) So I was kind of not given a choice. There was another meeting that I had been attending prior to that. And they said, that's a great meeting, great, great organization, but where the role you're headed, you need to be at SSP. And so that's how I ended up there. And then as I worked there and learned, I watched all the people who were active with the society. And I promised myself one day I'm going to volunteer to be in a task force or on a committee. And finally, when I came to WK, one of the things I promised myself was to 
get involved with the SSP. And I think I mentioned that to someone. And I said, in a year after I have my new job, I'm going to be active with SSP. And a year later, I was invited to join the task force. And it kind of has continued from there. That's great. And I think this is a great moment. Some of our audience may not really understand what it means to be SSP president or what the SSP board is. So can you talk a little bit about what that entity is? What is the SSP board? Who's on it? And what do they do? I think the best way to understand it is the board's responsibility is to identify the strategic goals of the organization and to work with the staff to be sure that we stay the course. I use the analogy of SSP being a ship because it's been built by some really amazing people. And at the head of that ship right now, there's the board and there's the president. And it's our job to be sure that everything that people have come before us and built stays the course. So as a board, we do things like who should the leaders of the various committees be? We think about what's the core values we just released last year. And I think that whole process came out of the board and the board is made up of people who represent the membership. So we have librarians, we have commercial publishers, we have society publishers, we have university presses, we have publishing services, all kind of working together to be sure that SSP stays focused on what our members need going forward. And part of that is there's management of it as well as far as finances. But for the most part, it's really the primary goal is to be sure that we are reflecting what's important to our members. Yes, thanks. And you made a really important point there, which is that SSP is really run mostly by some excellent volunteers. So the board is there to kind of give direction to those volunteer efforts and make sure they're going to the most important places for the membership. Definitely. We have more than 250 volunteers. It's amazing. It's amazing what you can accomplish with that many people who care. I'm seeing mentioned the core values, which might be an answer to this question, but I just wanted to ask you if you could talk a little bit about some of your 2022 highlights from the first half of your presidency. Well, core values, that was a huge part. Alice Meadows, who's the past president, challenged the board to come up with our core values. She was, we were at a meeting and she said, what, what's important to us? What are our core values? And so Randy Townsend and I, who was the incoming president, got together and we strategized to create the core values along with our committee chairs and our members. And that's community, inclusivity, adaptability, and integrity. And so it was that part was so much fun to be a part of because we got a chance to talk to all the co-chairs about why the values are important to them what they see SSP is for, like what are our goals? Like for community, it was very touchy-feely for me because there are moments where people say, I came to SSP to get professional context and I left SSP or I'm currently with friends. So it's it's so much more. So that was wonderful. I love seeing, one of the things that, that's important to me is having something for all career levels. And I've really been pushing that. And I love being in this position because I'm able to say, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. The most important thing is being sure that no matter where you are in your career, there are things that you're going to need. And I think a lot of people don't think about that. They take it for granted that if you've been in the business now for 20 years, I can't believe there's anything else you want to do differently. Where do they begin when they are put in a position of having to do something differently, either by choice or not by choice? And then for early career people, it can be very overwhelming to be put on a path 
to someone to say, okay, you're in production or you're an editor right now. And so th this is the only path you can go on. And I think it's so important to be able to share all those different opportunities. So I'm really proud that SSP is a part of that. We're working with university presses to create this giant like project. It's a collaboration to figure out all the different publishing profiles and the publishing roles. So we've asked for job descriptions and we've gotten hundreds and hundreds of job descriptions. So people can know what does it mean for me to go into this position over that position. So I'm really, really proud of that. And I think when this is all said and done, that's one of the one of the things I want to look back on and say that I helped move along. That's great. I love that you mentioned the all career levels aspect of the work that you've been doing as president. I really love that. And also you mentioned something that I think is nice to point out to our audience, which is that the way the SSP board works is with the idea of continuity in mind. So the past president, the current president, and the incoming president all work together and there's sort of this continuous flow of leadership. So it really makes for smooth transitions and makes sort of these initiatives carry over from one to the next. And we also have an executive committee. And the executive committee is made up of all the people you just mentioned. And also there'll be another board member who just gets voted on to the executive committee by his or her peers. So you get this fresh voice to come into the room and give you a perspective that you didn't think about before. Yes, exactly. So we're going to switch gears a little bit now. As you know, Miranda, the core audience for this podcast is made up of early career professionals. You talked a little bit about that a moment ago. And we want to talk a little bit about that group specifically. So can we start with having you just tell us what you think the role is of early career professionals in our industry and then also specifically within SSP and other similar industry organizations? I think overall, we are very dependent on the early careers because the knowledge of what we have now with each generation is we're starting to have a bigger gap again. There was a time where it didn't seem as such, maybe because I was that early career person. But I look at what I talked about earlier when I first came into this business, and a big part of my job was to explain to people that email was okay and PDFs were safe to send across the internet. And I think that with all the new challenges that are happening now with tech, even with Twitter, all the challenges, everyone's saying, do we go to Twitter? Do we stay on Twitter? Where else do we go? And we rely on early career people because they're the ones who are not scared. Like, I think there's a part in your career where you're not intimidated by trying new things. And the early career people are the leaders. So there's opportunity for you to say, okay, you've been on Twitter for the last 10 years. Here's somewhere else you should go. You know, I think the roles have kind of been reversed. So I look at that as that group to be so, so important right now, because there's so many new challenges that are happening every so many years, every five or six years, something new happens. And we all have to kind of figure out how do we pivot? And that flow kind of comes from that group. Even look at TikTok, how many people in our industry, they kind of try to brush it off saying it wasn't important. Meanwhile, it's being built up by a young group. And now they've graduated from college and they're now in our business. And now they're saying, hey, you know, there's this place that we were on TikTok and maybe it can be used for explaining complex theory and complex ideas to another audience. And we're all having to sit back and say, really? So in a way, I guess I could say early career professionals are leaders in a new kind of way. And I think I'm excited about that. I love that perspective of the unique contribution of early career professionals. I think it's a nice lead into the next question I was going to ask you, which is the things I hear and feedback from early career professionals a lot is that it's very challenging to know 
of all the information and discourse that's out there, what's the most important things to pay attention to? What are the most important ideas, initiatives? How do I learn about and understand those? Do you have any advice for early career professionals who are kind of maybe a little bit overwhelmed by the amount of information that's out there and the amount of discourse, just how they narrow down to what things they should pay attention to and try to understand better? I think they may be saying it in different ways, but they're all talking about the same topic. And I think the best thing that an early career person can do is try to kind of get an understanding of what that core topic is, and then try and find ways in their own personal experience to connect the dots. And I think once they connect the dots, it'll kind of all come together. And I'll give an example. I'm a knitter, right? I've always been a crafty person, but I've been doing this, I mean, for years, early in my career. And I remember I was on a platform that we have called Ravelry, and I went to buy a a pattern. And I realized that, oh, wait a minute, I'm buying a pattern. I'm buying a PDF. Where is this PDF being stored? How is it being stored? And then I went to work and I'm having these same conversations about where can our content be stored? How are people once they purchase it? That was early days of Mendeley and different groups that are coming up in Facebook and how are people using Facebook? So I encourage early career people to just try and connect the dots. That will make understanding all the different thoughts a little better, you know, but read the scholarly kitchen, listen to the blogs, follow the right people on Twitter, you know, read the New York times. When you do, you'll see, you'll start saying, wait a minute, you know, there's a war happening in the Ukraine. How does this relate to the work that I'm doing? It could be that you work in an editorial office and now you have so many papers that are coming from Ukraine. What's the flow of those papers going to be now, given what's going on in that country? What's happening in natural disasters. There's a natural disaster in one area. How does that relate to my job? I'm work in operations and I need to get materials from this part of the world. Does that, how does that impact me? And I think the more you do that, as you read all the different stuff that's out there, you'll see what's relevant to you a lot faster and it won't be as overwhelming. That's great advice. The last two answers you gave kind of tie nicely together this idea that you're connecting the dots and you're also boiling down to sort of what is the core issue, what is the core question. And then also while you're doing that as an early career professional, having the confidence to know that you do have something to add to the conversation, even if it's taking you a moment longer to kind of understand the core concept and drill down to that. So I think that's really important advice. And don't be afraid to ask questions. You know, people like to hear themselves talk. So if you are in a position where you may not be in the room when they're having these big conversations, Don't be afraid to kind of identify the people within your organization who you can go to and say, hey, can you explain what this read and publish thing is? I've tried to read it. I've tried to understand it, but this is not quite my understanding or this is how I'm seeing it. Is this right? And then that person who's talking to you can say, yes, that's exactly what it is or no, it's this. Yeah, that's also a great point. And that's something that actually comes up quite a bit as advice on this podcast is this idea to ask questions and also that people like to be asked questions and like to talk and don't mind. So don't be afraid to sort of step up and it's okay not to know. And it's okay to ask. It's always better to ask actually. And I would add to that, that it's okay to say what you think the answer is. One of the things I've written down as my little advice to give would be, don't be afraid to suggest an answer every time you ask a question. So if someone says, what's the weather outside today? You could say, You know, instead of just saying, what's the weather outside today? You can say, what's the weather outside today? It looks very cold. And then someone would then turn and say, yes, it is cold. It's 15 degrees. 
So get in the habit of doing that because what will happen is people will start learning that things are clicking. So if you ask a question about what is OSTP, it sounds to me that it means this. And that person you ask that question to, next time they're going to say, oh, look at that person over there. They get it because we've had these kind of side conversations. So let's pull them into a bigger conversation. Let's have them be a part of something different because I know how they think because not only do they ask the right questions, they offer the right answers. But don't be offended if what you offered is wrong because the next time it'll be right. Yeah, don't be afraid to be wrong is another piece that kind of goes along with this asking questions bit is sometimes that's going to happen if you put yourself out there a little bit, but that's absolutely okay. It's part of learning. Exactly. So kind of going along with this question of how to stay up to date and kind of drilling down to the core issue and connecting the dots, is there anything specific or especially important that you're watching and following yourself right now in terms of ideas or things coming down the line that you would kind of put out there for our audience to also watch a little bit? I mean, of course, the Scholarly Kitchen blog is a go-to. If you haven't already signed up for that, sign up for that. I also follow Lib License. It's an old listserv. It's people post things like our subscription prices are out or there's a job posting for a librarian somewhere. But it's really interesting to kind of get a pulse of what librarians are thinking. And really, they are at the core of our business. I enjoy learning and seeing if it's important to them. And that helps me decide what I then go and read more about. So if something comes up on that listserv and I don't know about it, there's a lawsuit of XY company over this many books and I don't know enough about it, I'll then go and research the information to learn that. So that's a fun thing to follow. And then the good old fashioned current news. So I think Twitter and headlines are interesting and valuable, but I think if you make an effort to read the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal once or twice a week, to kind of see how you can go in depth in something that will help your thought process as you move along in your career. Yeah. Good point. That current news, especially right now, definitely impacts our industry. And maybe that hasn't always been as clearly the case. So that's really good. And I don't know if you agree with this, Miranda, but I find it's useful to start with one or two things that you're interested in to follow, like the Scholarly Kitchen or some of these others. And branch out from there, right? Find out where the cross-references are, who you enjoy hearing from, and then maybe branch out, but don't overwhelm yourself with too many outlets at once. That's what will happen is you'll find what you're interested in. You may see something and then it forces you to go deeper. So don't be afraid to go deeper, but don't be afraid not to. Don't be afraid to say that's boring because <laughs> it's important for you to know you have no interest in it either. So if there's something that comes up and you're like, okay, it's in the community, but that's not where my focus is, know that about yourself and move on. Exactly. Can't read everything. Exactly. And you don't have to. Whatever your expertise is, that's what people expect you to know about. If there's something else that impacts you, that's because you've made that connection, then that's how you focus on it. You don't kind of have to know everything, but how does this impact me? What's important? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So I want to be able to end with one last advice question. But before I get to that, can you just tell us what you're most excited about for SSP in 2023? I think there's so much going on right now in our space. One thing I love about SSP is watching how we all solve it. With the OSTP memo, with everything happening in the tech industry, we all don't know where we're going to land, but we're going to come to SSP to learn that. When we come to our meetings next year, we're in Portland or we're in, in DC or wherever we are, we're in our webinars. We want to learn from each other 
And there's so much to learn from right now. Are you going to make your journals open access? Are you going to go to Mastodon? Are you going to create a TikTok account? And we'll do that by following each other and seeing, you know, this group might be first in this area and this another group may follow it. And then we all learn from each other. And it's a lot of fun. I've seen that happen with the recession, you know, in the early 2000s. We saw it happen when open access first came around. We saw it happen with electronic posting and who's going to create a new website. What are we going to offer? Who's going to use full text? I mean, all these different things happen and it's happening again next year. And in this year, in next year, it's going to be all about how are we going to address all these different policies that are going to be coming out. And I'm excited to be able to learn from my peers. And that's what SSP is about. Great tie back to the community value also there. Um, so for the last question, as promised, I want to end with one last nugget of advice from you. If you are willing to share the best advice that you have gotten in your own career that could be useful to our early career audience. I think it was the join SSP, honestly. I mean, because I think at that point it was, I had someone who says, you know, there's all these different aspects to our business, editorial, the business side, the operation side. And I knew I loved it all, but I didn't know where I was going to go in the space of it. And to be told that SSP is the kind of organization that really supports people who are having to make the major business decisions of our industry. And I see you as that person. And I was like, really? So, you know, I guess my advice is not necessarily to the early career people as much as it is to the people who are mentoring you. When people kind of see where you fit in the grand scheme of things, it can be so exciting. So I guess to the early career people, take it learn from it. Like you don't necessarily have to go down that road, but explore it because it can be some of the you know most exciting opportunities that you would have never imagined for yourself. Yes. That's a great point to end on. I think this idea that industry organizations and just exploring in the industry with others who are like you and who are passionate about scholarly communication is really critical, especially in the early years, but probably always. So I think that's a great point to end on. Anything else you would like to add for our audience, Miranda? I'm very excited. I'll see you all in Portland. Don't be afraid to lead. Don't be afraid to share, especially right now. If there's some place you think that your organization should be, we need the early career professionals to lead us. And I'm really excited that we're continuing these efforts at SSP. Great. Thank you so much. And yes, the next annual meeting will be in Portland. So we hope many members of our audience will be there and We'll meet them in person. Miranda, thank you so much for taking time to be here and for sharing all of your thoughts and insights. I think this is going to be really special for our audience. Thank you so much. You've been a great host. A big thanks to Miranda for taking the time to be here and talk to us about the exciting year ahead for SSP, her invaluable advice for our early career audience, and a little bit more about how the SSP board functions and how the organization is run. We hope you all enjoyed hearing from Miranda and took note of some of the takeaways from today's conversation. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And Sarah and I will be back soon with our next episode.